Today is Monday, February 27, 2023. It's day 781 of the J6 political hostage crisis. I'm Mel Hawley, and this is your Justice in Jeopardy update. This is going to look like a big time concert. They go out to the D.C. jail every single night. When I first started going out there, I was almost brought to tears on what I was seeing. So I figured, what can I do to help this get noticed? You know, we really want this to be a benefit that ultimately benefits the J6. We got DVS 7.0. He's from New York. We got 4G Auto Blow. He made an Ashley Babbitt song. They play the Ashley Babbitt song every night. And we got Jimmy Levy, who is an international artist. It's going to be a fantastic night. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Justice in Jeopardy. I'm joined today by a great couple who has uh, been going through what many families in this country have gone through, Michael and Brittany Perkins. Welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Thank you. Good. Thank you for having us. You know, I'd, I'd love for you guys to just start with a, a little picture of, um, you know, who your family is, what your life was like before January 6th at the Capitol. I see it as we're just your typical everyday American family. And we um, we're hardworking. I mean, I work as a handyman, a business for myself and my son works with me. So I'm trying to build, you know, my own business. And um, I mean, we regularly go to church twice a week we're always involved with uh vacation bible school i mean just anything we can do in our community to help the community um we're also involved with ministries that help the homeless and we've been to homeless shelters and spoke to homeless and i mean just pretty much any kind of outreach we can do in our community what about you, Brittany? What uh, what did what did your life look like uh, before January sixth? I am a stay-at-home mom. I homeschooled my children. Um, my son graduated already in 2020, but my daughter, she's um, got two more years. So, um, you know, I stay at home. I I homeschool. Um, like my husband said, we're involved in our community. Um, I'm involved in a prison ministry where I go in regularly to a women's prison and uh, minister to those ladies and. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, just regular people, you know. Why did you go to uh, the Capitol on January 6th? Well, we had um, seen, you know, Trump inviting everyone. Um, you know, he had asked everyone to be there. And we went to exercise our First Amendment right. You know, we felt like that was what we needed to do. Yeah, we felt, I mean, because as, you know, we're Christians, so we pray about things and we just we both felt that the lord wanted us to go i mean to let our voices be heard and to support you know what was (laughs) what our president was calling us up there for how did you get there did you go with a group did you uh go as a family we took um our daughter with us my son was having to work and we were going on a vacation that weekend and so we weren't he wasn't able to go with us but we, we went as a family and some of our church friends had went. Yeah. What did your day look like? Uh, how did it, how did it start off um, on January 6th? It was yeah, very cold. It was cold. <laughs> but it was, I don't know, it was very like peaceful. I mean, yeah. everybody was happy. There was singing. Yeah. I mean, everyone was getting along. 
like we're all part of a family, you know? Yeah. So you, uh, you went over, did you go over for the speeches at the ellipse? Did you start out over there? Yeah. yeah, we started out there and, you know, obviously after the speech, Trump, everybody told everyone to go to the Capitol and we and- didn't know we didn't have intentions of going to the Capitol. No, mm-hmm. no one in our group even knew that was going to, you know, be told. We didn't know until he said it, you know, to go. Yeah. And there, that day, there actually, we, because me and her were discussing back and forth before we walked to the Capitol, there was a preacher. Um, what was his name? Greg Locke. Yeah, Greg Glatt, he was supposed to be preaching there, and we were going to go listen to him. And But our daughter, you know, she had friends there. We were kind of like, we were with a younger group. You know, my daughter was with, like, some of the younger people, and she wanted to kind of hang out with them, So, but we didn't want to let her walk to the Capitol without us. Yeah. So we actually were like, well, we'll go to the Capitol. That way, I'm, I don't want to separate from anybody anyway. So, So we ended up walking to the Capitol. How old was she at the time? She was 14 at the time. Okay. So you, so you headed on over there uh, with the crowd. Uh, do you have any idea what time you arrived at the Capitol? What's the indictment say? It was like one, one o'clock, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were, so you were on the earlier side. So what did you see when you got there? As you approached the Capitol, what did you see? There was a lot of people and, you know, we didn't see any kind of um, agitation or anything like that when we first got there. Um, You know, I remember standing around laughing when we first walked up, you know, and then whatever happened, happened. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like suddenly, I mean, then there was all of a sudden there was spray going everywhere. I mean, there was tear gas canisters and stuff being thrown in the crowd, beanbags shooting everywhere. And I remember looking and seeing my daughter crying because her eyes were burning and everything. So as a father, I mean, that. Yeah, she was gassed and sprayed. Yeah. Yeah, that that was uh, definitely not a fun part, was it? No. Did you go up the stairs? Did you go Mm -hmm. onto the lawn? What, What did you do? We were kind of on the west terrace side, okay, on the ground below the stairs. Okay, okay. So on the like on the grassy area down there. Um, it wasn't grassy. Okay. It, there was concrete. Yeah. Are you able to share with us any of your experience of um, being there? What what you saw? Um, you know what happened? I don't want to share a whole lot, but there was a lot of pushing. Yeah. Just put it that way. From behind. It's like. Um, well, we all got separated. Um, and so I and my daughter was with me and I taken her to a safer place toward the back of um, away from the Capitol. And um, I had went back to try to find people because we had minor children with us and we were all separated. And I had went back and I remember seeing men, men I call them men, but they weren't men, but, um, young men in gas masks and they were rushing the people and pushing and, um, running away. And then more people would come and they would push people and they were like pushing people into the cops. I witnessed that for myself. I saw it. Um, I saw a pregnant woman be pepper sprayed for no reason standing, you know, with her husband and be pepper sprayed for no reason. There were little children around that were pepper sprayed. My daughter sat with a family while I went to find other people and they had two little girls under the age of six. So it was just horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah. And at one time, there was even a bus. I remember before everything got crazy, we had seen a bus pull up off to the side on the street, and people just started coming out dressed like Trump supporters. I don't know if they were Trump supporters or not, but I don't know. It's just kind of funny how a bus pulls up, and then right a little bit after that, stuff just got chaotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- describe really what they were wearing and how old they were, because uh, I, I have heard this story um, from from another J6, uh, an older man um, who was there. And uh, I, I would love to hear um, further description of, of what these people look like. Well, they're off in the distance. So, I mean, but red Trump hats. Some of them had red Trump hats. They have yeah. backpacks. I, I just it was weird because I know we came from the speech. So where did these people come from yeah. why didn't they walk with us it was like they were brought in and could you tell, um, how, could you tell kind of uh, how old they looked they weren't older they were younger they yeah. were probably between the ages of like 18 to 28 maybe 30 yeah. you know they were a younger group and they were um the ones that had gas masks on they were kind of thin build young men and they were just you know running at people yeah. And just did they, did they uh, did all their gear look like it was brand new, all their other Trump gear and all of that? It oh, looked yeah. like they purchased hats on the corner or something and, oh, yeah. and came, you know, yeah. it was like not. I don't know. It just just didn't feel like they were real Trump supporters, maybe. Right. Yeah. What time did you end up leaving the Capitol? Um, shortly after Trump had made the announcement that the National Guard was coming and we needed to leave. Okay. Did you go back to a hotel? Did you uh, start your journey back home? We um, were with other people and we couldn't find um, the van that was picking us up. Um, He was an older gentleman and he was lost and he couldn't find his way around. And and they shut like the cell service. The cell service was bad there. We couldn't get a hold of anyone. Um, So we walked around till about nine o'clock before we found our ride so we were we were even stopped by the park police and searched because we were past curfew where was your ride taking you back to a hotel or back home originally we were gonna drive straight back home um but everyone was pepper sprayed so bad um we couldn't breathe when we got in the van it was just like yeah we you know everybody needed a shower and change so and- we stayed at a hotel um, in Virginia on the way back. You went back home and, and did you kind of return to life as normal at that point? Oh, we had a vacation planned that on the ninth. Okay. So we, we had went on vacation. Um, so, you know, we went right back into regular life, you know. What did you think when you listened to the news and, and heard about how everything was being portrayed for that day? Horrible. I mean, calling, calling us terrorists. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's just unbelievable. We were yeah, shocked. I bet. Did you come to find that uh, you were on any any lists, or or were you? Uh, did anything happen that you know let you know that something was going on? Absolutely. <laughs> she's, she's the one that caught it first. <laughs> I'll let you tell it. Um, in the middle of March, um, we were on our way to church one Wednesday evening, and um, we were all together in the car as a family. I was driving. And my husband and son had just came in from work right before church. They jumped in the shower and we headed out the door really quickly. And um, halfway down the road, my husband was already taking a nap. You know, he was exhausted. And um, I had passed 
this church and there's normally cops sitting there, you know, um, all the time, you know, they always sit there. I guess maybe they use their Wi-Fi. I don't know. But um, I I went through there and there was an undercover car sitting there. And I remember thinking I didn't put my seatbelt on. You know, that was my first thought. And so I put my seatbelt on really quick and I kind of kept going and um, he pulled out behind me. And so I was like, surely he won't pull me over, you know. So I was a little paranoid thinking I was going to get pulled over. And um, our church is about 30 minutes away. It's actually in another county. And so um, I had gotten on interstate and he got on interstate with me. And so at this point, I'm like, ah, it's okay. He's he surely he would have pulled me over by now. And so I kept my eye on him and he kind of stayed back a little ways. And um, I noticed there were some vehicles that looked like his. Um, they were like Dodge Caravan type, you know, they looked undercover. And so I, I was starting to get suspicious and um, I didn't wake my husband up because, you know, he would have been like, you're crazy. No one's following us. You know, right. let me sleep. You know, so I didn't say anything to him. And um, about halfway down the interstate, I, I thought they were someone following us. So I said, I'm going to trick them. I'm going to try to get off interstate and see if they go with me. And so I did. I acted like I was going to get off at an exit and all of them got behind me. And so then I got really paranoid and the next exit was our exit. And I woke my husband up. I said, I think we're being followed. And um, so he was like, no, that's that you know, we're not being followed. And um, I'm like, well, watch them. They're coordinating. Like one will follow me. One will, they were kind of like changing cars, you know, get one, get behind me one. So I had got off interstate and I went down a couple we weird roads that I had to make a several, you know, several turns. And they were like, one would go with me, one would turn, one would go with me, one would turn. But then they all met back up behind us on the main road. And so that's when we got concerned. And we had seen stuff going on in the news and heard things. So we suspected what it was. Um, that I mean, we're law abiding citizens, you know, we we know we're not doing anything. So it had to be this. And we had gotten to church. And sure enough, those same cars were like circling. Our yeah, church. I remember sitting there in the church parking lot. We were just sitting there for a little bit. And then there come one of them. And like two minutes later, there came another. So I had told my wife and children, I'm like, y'all get out of the car. Like, and then I had a friend of mine. I'm like, come follow me. I want to ride around and see, see what they're doing. It, it's got, they got to be following us. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to see what was going on because it was just weird. How long after January 6th was this about? about... This was the middle of May. Okay. Yeah. Middle of um, May. Okay. Not March. No. Did I say March? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I get down the road a little bit with my friend following me and there's like a little park right down the street from the church. And maybe five minutes have went by since they all, since I've seen like one or two cars pass by. So I, we were very suspicious. So I went by that park. And when I got to the park, there was maybe seven, six or seven gentlemen in like dress clothes. And they looked like FBI. You know, it was FBI. They were all standing in a circle huddled up. So, and I put my window down and looked as I went by and one of them, I still remember, made direct eye contact with me and he whispered something and then they all went to their cars real quick. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. So this was the middle of of May. Oh and so after this, my daughter was like terrified. Um, because you know, when you think about that, like they're gonna bust your door in, they're gonna come in your home. Like that was our thought. Like they're coming. And she was 14, you know, so she was scared to death, you know, like just the anticipation of all this. She's already traumatized from you know, being in DC and everything that happened there. And then this, you know, and for six weeks or more, we were sleeping on the couch because she was so scared. And for six weeks, they didn't come back for six weeks. Mm -hmm. So we had like this looming, you know, when are they coming? What's going to happen? You know, how is this going to go down? And we slept on the couch so that it, when they came in, they wouldn't go to her. And that was our thought process. We'll sleep on the couch. That way, if they come in, we're right here. Like they don't go in her room with a gun, you know? So, um, and that was six weeks later, whenever they came. And shortly after that, you even called, who was it? You made a report. Yes. Um, his uncle actually told us. Yeah, he was in the military. So he gave us some advice on what to do. Mm -hmm. He said to call the, I believe it's the district attorney. And they would be able to tell you if you have any kind of warrants that are taken out on you or anything like that. And um, that week I had called them because we were just tormented by it. You know, it's like, you know, it's coming. It's like when what's happening. Yeah, Like, why are not they coming to talk to us? Like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> you know, they this is six weeks. They knew our schedules. They knew we went to church every week on Wednesday and Sunday. They knew our habits. You know, I walked. I was trying to lose weight before all this happened. And I walked five days a week and I saw them sitting along my route every single day. Never once did they try to talk to me. Never once, you know, did they do anything. And um, so we, you know, we just were like tormented by it. And um, that morning, June the, 30th. June the 30th, yeah, that morning, um, our neighbor Come to find out later on, our neighbor said that her she has a little chime when you go past her house. So if someone's pulling in, it'll alert her. And she said about 3 a.m. that morning, she had um, an alert. And she thought maybe her grandson was like sneaking out of the house or sneaking somebody, you know, being a teenager. Yeah. And she got up to look and she didn't see anything. And um, she said she tried to lay back down and couldn't go to sleep. And um, she was up for a little while and she went out on her pool deck and there were FBI agents out there and they told her to go back in her house. Oh, wow. And that was, and she didn't know what was going on at the time. I mean, none of us, you know, and um, anyways, she had went back inside. And so come to find out they had been out here at 3 a.m. already surrounding us and getting in place that morning. Yeah. And the warrant wasn't, and, it was signed for six o'clock and they came Cause about they, I guess they do it daylight to dusk. That's what the judge signs a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, and then when they initially came, well, it was cause we got it on camera. It was five forty-five. Yeah. Wow. So it was still dark out when they came. Yeah. So, so tell me about what that looked like. Um, so actually that, that night I actually slept in my bed that night. That was like the first time, I actually went to bed and I had a really good sleep that night. It had rained the night before and I was like, I'm going to go sleep in my bed tonight. My daughter had went to bed. She was sleeping peacefully. 
it had been six weeks. It kind of let my guard down a little, you know, and I went to bed that night and I slept really good. And um, about like 540, we woke up to these explosions and I thought it was a tornado because yeah. it had rained the night before because yeah. the how I live in a mobile home. My house was shaking. Pictures were falling off the wall. I was thinking we were in a tornado. And so I ran through the house. And um, as I ran through the house, I saw my kitchen window had police lights. So then it like dawned on me what was happening. And I just ran straight out the door. So they didn't kick my door in. They didn't come in and get my daughter, you know. And that's when they started screaming on the big megaphone. Yeah. You know, calling me out. Mm -hmm. calling my name Michael Perkins come out with your hands up and all that so they all came out first and then I came out and of course when you come out they're they're all screaming at you at the same time you got trying to I had lasers red dots all over me and they're all screaming trying to confuse me so I'm like which way do I go everybody's screaming at one time at me Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even hardly see them there was so much smoke and yeah it was just there. I think there was, they had three armored tanks. Um, I don't know how many agents we counted. A lot of them. I mean, there I was mean, probably 40 or 50 of them. Yes. 40 or 50 agents. And they were all in the SWAT gear. My, it, it was, was Miami F- SWAT. Yeah. It was FBI from Miami SWAT and um, Homeland Security. And I don't know who else all was here, but. <laughs> when, when I first went out, I was the first one out of the house. And I went straight to the guy that was calling me and I told him, I said, please don't do anything stupid. I have children in there. Like, you know, nothing's going to happen. Like, please just let my children come out. Okay. You know, don't do, don't do anything. Um, And he was asking me questions like who's in the home, you know, where's booby traps, like all these crazy. Wow. Wow. You guys are are really these kind of terrorists after they have been following you to church twice a week and uh yeah yeah i wanted to say like uh, the only booby traps i know of are home alone booby traps like what what are we talking about here like i couldn't make a booby trap if i tried (laughs) like it was just ridiculous what they were asking me yeah it's like i mean are we osama bin laden i mean what like that's what i felt like i felt like i was like such a threat to them for for no reason. I mean, like you said, they followed us. They know what kind of people we were. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. it makes no sense to me why they would do this to my family when all they had to do is come and knock on my door. Yeah. 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 Because they want it to be a big show for uh, yeah. everybody so that everybody will be scared. It's all about Our fear. neighbors thought we were dead. Yeah. My neighbors literally thought they killed us because of the explosions. They thought it was gunfire. And they thought we they were killing us. Yeah. That is so scary. So uh, so what happened then? Well, they put the FBI put me in a yeah in a cruiser and they were trying to get me to talk to them and you know, they were trying to play good cop, bad cop kinda thing yeah. and you know, trying yeah. to trying to get me to talk and harass me, like, oh, we'll pull away we'll go down the street so you feel more comfortable. I'm like, no, I'm not comfortable. You just did this to my family. Like, why couldn't you just come and knock on my door? (laughs) And so I was kind of aggravated, you know, you treated me like that for no reason. Where did they take you from there? 
they took me to the FBI station in Tampa and had me fingerprinted and all that. And then they brought me to the U.S. Marshals because Homeland Security, I believe, is what took me because I talked to them guys on the on the way there. They were actually it seemed like decent people, you know, they were your ever everyday average American to me. At least yeah. the Homeland Security guys were. Yeah. And they did that. And then they brought me to the federal courthouse. And and um, and there was actually three of us there. I had two co-defendants. They had got raised at the same time. So I seen them while I was in there. And then we all went before the judge here in Tampa. And he ended up releasing them. And he kept me. So I was kept in to the jail in Pinellas County or somewhere. Do you have any idea why they were released and you were kept? I couldn't tell you. I mean, maybe because my charges, I mean, you know, at least one or two of them had assault charges, but I guess because maybe mine was assault with a deadly weapon. Can you tell us what, what this alleged weapon was that that they're accusing you of, uh, of wielding? Trump flag. The Trump flag. The Trump flag. That 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 can be a dangerous weapon. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. pretty scary to some people in this country, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> During all that, when they had taken him and they tried to separate us and things, um, they had drove through my back fence, and I have a dog. My dog ran away for two days. I didn't know what had happened to her. Um, she ran away. Um, and that's his dog. Like she loves him. So when he was in jail and his dog's missing, like, I'm just like thinking like, this is horrible, you know? Mm. And, um, so they had drove through my back gate and kind of surrounded the house and everything. And, um, anyways, they kind of separated us all. They had taken him away into a car. They were trying to get my daughter and I to go sit in a vehicle. And I kept telling them, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, um, I'm not going in your car. I'm not, you know, not speaking to you. I'm done. No. And, um, they had came and asked if we wanted to get dressed because my daughter was in barely nothing, you know, and I had on a nightgown and they asked if we'd like to go get dressed. And I said, yes, please. So they let us come in and get dressed. Well, they stood there and watched us dress. And, um, so I'm getting dressed. Well, they were, there would been two ladies that went with my daughter to get her dressed. And they were rushing her. And um, I didn't know this, but they let her brush her teeth. They let her get dressed and they were rushing her, telling her, you need to come on. You need to come on. Well, little did I know they were rushing her so they could talk to her without me present. So they rushed her outside. And by the time I came outside, they had a manila envelope opened and they were showing her pictures of herself in the crowd walking to the Capitol. These two women. FBI ladies, this was after the SWAT left and everything. Then the FBI came back. They told her, you need to tell us how you got there, who you rode with and why you went. And they were trying to scare my 14 year old daughter. And they were speaking to her without her parent present. And I came out that door livid. And I said, excuse me, like this is illegal. What are you doing? You do not do this. She's 14 years old. They shut their envelope. They said, we're so sorry. And they disappeared. I never saw them again. I never got their names, like mm-hmm. nothing. Wow. So they lost respect right there because I'm like, we're, 
we're not talking to you. We're not helping you. We're not doing anything. Yeah. Just seeing how they were, they had my son to the side and he's in his underwear, nothing but his underwear. And this, this man, this FBI agent is grilling him saying he's coming for him. He's checking his phone records. He's checking his, his debit card, like everything, just harassing my son. And I yelled across the yard and I said, son, tell him you want a lawyer. And my son said, I want a lawyer. And this FBI agent started cussing me out, telling me he's Mm -hmm. 18 years old. You shut your mouth. Like he just started cussing me because I told my son to say he wanted a lawyer because my son was not there and he was being harassed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've seen what they can do with uh, trying to get kids to, to turn up on their parents. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent what they were trying to do. Like you don't mess with my kids. Like, you know, one thing you have my husband in the back of a car somewhere and you just terrorized our family, but do not drag drag my kids into this. What happened next, Mike? Um, You went, uh, so you were, let's see, where did we leave leave off with that story? You were, um, he was detained. They they kept you. They kept you. Was that in, in Pinellas County, you believe? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was Pinellas County. And what's funny, <laughs> I don't know the guy's name or anything, but he's whoever the person is that brings you after the judge says they're going to detain you, the officer that detained you. As soon as we got into the elevator, he was talking to me and he said, he said, you might want to go before a different judge. This judge is liberal. He's not going to give you a fair shot. So I took that uh, that was the Lord speaking through this man because like he worked for the judge and he knew the judge. So he was telling me, go somewhere else if, so you can get a fair shot or you're going to stay locked up in jail. Yeah, he's seen this judge was pretty biased when it came to yes. political things like that. So he was just warning him, you got a better chance in D.C. And so that's what he was going to do. Yeah. Go before a D.C. judge for his bail. And. Wow, it, it well, must have been well it, for you to decide on on DC over over a Florida yes, judge because yes. you've seen what's going on with the DC judges. So yes, yeah. that was scary, but but we felt like you know this man was really yeah. You know, he told me this for a reason. He said you're not going to get a fair shot before this judge. I don't think you might be better off going yeah. somewhere else because he he was pretty much saying that this judge is going to do whatever the government asked for. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did that look like next? Well, I was in for 14 days and um, I was still waiting for my public defender. He was supposed to be, he had told me we're going before a DC judge and he was getting me a flight to go to DC. <laughs> so he was in the works of getting my ticket. He said, it'll be about a day or two and then we'll have you a flight. We're going to fly you to DC. And literally, with the next day or two, of a hurricane formed. <laughs> literally, and was coming right at Florida. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, thank you, God. <laughs> if, you if you don't believe in the Lord, th- I mean, this is a true statement. And literally, the flights were canceled, everything from yeah. Florida because of this hurricane. So I think that was the Lord keeping me out of DC, out of this gulag that everybody's stuck in. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I just, I praise the Lord for that. And so I went before a magistrate judge on a zoom call Mm -hmm. 
a DC judge and he kind of looked over stuff and he released me yeah. on wow. house arrest. That's amazing. That truly is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what does house arrest look like for you? Well, I've, I've been on house arrest for, uh, well, 16 months. Yeah. It was 16 months. I was on house arrest and you know, I couldn't even go out the door mm-hmm. on my porch or anything, or it would sound some, I guess, alarm going to the monitoring place. So they say. Yeah. But I was released for work and church. So I was allowed to go to work and church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But literally almost every other night I would get calls in the middle of the night. Them calling me, harassing me, saying, oh, you're outside when you shouldn't be. I mean, two o'clock in the morning, they're calling me, waking me up yeah. every week. For a year and a half. This For time. a year and a half. Wow. Two to three, four in the morning. And um, I'm in bed. Yeah. And they're, you know, and my probation officer was saying, well, it must just be a bad signal. Just ignore it. I'm like, how can I ignore it? They're calling me and waking me up. Yeah. And I can't just turn my phone off. I have an elderly father, other things. I can't just shut my phone down. So. Yeah. And his father's <clears throat> next door. We were on the same property. So, I mean. He needed to help his father. He needed to have the phone on. So you're getting calls all hours of the night for a year and a half. And they're saying it has a five mile drift period. Like it, it pings five miles away from our house. It was insane. That's crazy. And how many other people are dealing with this? You know, they can't, you know, they can't even go out of their, there's one lady I heard couldn't even go in her kitchen, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm lucky that. You know, I have the probation officer or the pretrial officer that I had because, I mean, she was very nice. Yeah. yeah. But I can imagine if I had some of these other officers like people had, I would have been in jail already yeah, again. 100%. Because the drift points and all that, they would have said, well, you're going out when you're not supposed to be. So what is next? In a week, I go to trial. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Our trial starts on March the 6th. How are you guys going to get down there? Do you, are you able to afford to get there and to stay? We um, started a give send go. Um, a friend, a co-defendant gave me um, some information on a give send go. And um, I got in contact with um, EOJ. I don't know if you, I'm sure you know who he is. And um, Randy Ireland um, and some other people, um, Cynthia Price, she's a J6er. Um, they got me in contact with those people and I've been, um, working with them a little bit to kind of get some of the, you know, um, information on the gives and go out. So good, we've, good. we've got some good support on that so far. So, yeah. And how much money do you need to raise for that? Um, I think we are halfway there. So we had a goal of like 6,000 and we're halfway there. 6,000 will pretty much cover our hotel expenses, you know, the food and, and um, we're trying to help our, because my pastor is actually going to come up. He's a witness. To, uh, to be a witness for me, for all the stuff I do in the community and so forth. So mm-hmm. I want to be able to be able to get him a room if he needs it and all that. So he don't have to come out of his pocket for it. Yeah. And, that's you know, and obviously, you know, I'm going to miss work for two weeks too. I yeah. mean. It's, you know, so devastating what this whole thing is, has done to so many families and, uh, I, uh, I, I asked my, my listeners to please uh, check out their gives and go and, um, you know, consider giving this family some help for what they're going through. Uh, do you guys have a, 
a public defense attorney? Yes. Okay. How has that been going? She's been pretty good. I mean, we're, we're pretty pleased. And, you know, we have Jesus Christ as our defender. He is our defender. And so we're confident in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, all this, all this has been really horrible, but I mean, throughout it all, I've grown closer to God. Yeah. You know, he's, he's really working in my life because of all this. So he really made me depend on him a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear that so much. Um, uh, especially from the guys who are, who are locked up, yes. uh, you know, and, and I, I've said before that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, silver and gold polishing being done, um, by our Lord through this and, and some yeah. life changing things. Our pastor, when he prays, he always prays that we would always be encouragers and never discouragers. And so I don't want to leave this on a negative thing because there's been so much negativity in it in the last three years but through this our family has grown so much closer to the lord and we're clinging to him we're clinging to his promises he is showing my children that he's faithful and he's able and so there's been so much good come out of this god's working and he is for us so yeah God bless you guys. Um, you know, thank you for sharing your story and, uh, we will definitely be praying for you. Thank We've got you. Got a lot of good prayer warriors who, who watch our show and, uh, you know, and I hope everybody will share this show around, uh, to get the word out and to get them the help they need, um, through prayers and, and financial donations, if you're able. Well, we really appreciate it. Well, keep in touch. Um, and, uh, you know, anything you need Americans for justice is, is right behind you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're, we're here to, to help with whatever, whatever it is you need. And, and I look forward to meeting you um, when, uh, when you come in town for trial. Okay. All right. Thank you so Sounds much, great. Mel. Thank you. God bless you both. God bless, yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Don't forget to go to aforjustice.org to get more details about the Freedom Corner Fest this Thursday during CPAC. Get your tickets before they sell out. We all bleed the same red blood of patriots. Make honey great again. We feel like we're servants and we have a product out there that's really cool and we're, we're raising a lot, a lot, a lot of money for uh, for different groups like yourself. Grown and bottled in America. It looks just like President Trump. Where can people order this honey? It's a very easy site. It's called makehoneygreatagain.com. Sales code Mel. Off it goes. Within 24 hours, it's shipped to you. It's exciting, and and we know that this is going to move the needle. If you'd like to help us support J6 families as they're released from jails and prisons, please check out the Elijah Fund. You can find that on our website, a4justice.org slash TEF. Americans for Justice, Inc. is a nonpartisan alliance that vigorously defends the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and due process across our great nation, which are pivotal to preserving life, liberty, and freedom for all. Too long we have played defense and are losing on all battlefronts through divided efforts. The root problem of election integrity, medical freedom, political prisoners, southern border crisis, CPS and APS and others is one common thing, a direct assault on the U.S. Constitution 
solution and due process. Americans for Justice is a nonprofit organization with local chapters in all 50 states, working with lawyers, legal scholars, and organizations to actively fight government overreach at all levels. Unite with us in the fight for our J6 political hostages and whatever else due process rights are violated. We ask for your support in this vital mission through a one-time donation or an ongoing membership. Go to the letter A, the number 4, justice.org. 